So, Father, we love you right now. We thank you right now, Lord God. That as you speak to our hearts on this morning, Lord God, I, I thank you, Lord, that you have set the stage through pre-service prayer and through the meditation and through praise and worship and through prayer itself, Lord God, that you set us at a place right now that every one of us, our hearts are, are open to hear from you, Lord God. That if we received your worship, that if you received our worship and if we, if we worshiped you in spirit and truth, Lord God, that we, you have set us at a place right now to receive from you, Lord God, your word, your unadulterated truth. And I thank you for it right now. We thank you in advance, Lord God. And we say together, Lord, that you speak to our hearts, Lord God. Put us in one accord, Lord God, to receive from you, Lord God, that your spirit will have its way, Lord God. That our lives, Lord God, will be encouraged. The change that, that will come. Hallelujah. That rearrangement, Lord God, will set forth, Lord God. That sets us on a platform that allows us to never be the same. I'm talking about from this day and I'm for real, Lord God. That we'll never be the same, Lord God. That we'll start a journey, that, a growth in you, Lord God, that sets us on a path. One that pleases you above all things, Lord God, and one that it leads us into our destiny, into eternity, Lord God. Not some dynasty on this earth, Lord God, but destiny for eternity, Lord God. Let that be the aim and the goal of our hearts, Lord God, that we may be like your son, Jesus. That when he came to this earth, that he came with one idea and one idea only in mind, and that was that he would please the Father. And he accomplished that. And we thank you, Lord, for his accomplishment that gives us and opens the door for us to do the same. So give us a heart, Lord God, to do your will that pleases you above that which pleases ourselves. So we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Glory be to God. Well, this is the finale, my friends, of uh, what is your life? What is your life? This is part five. Hallelujah. It's been a, a beautiful series that God has been ministering to us on what, are, what is your life. And just quickly in review, what is your life starts as God gave us with an understanding of the fact that our life is nothing more than a vapor. It spoke to the time of our lives, first and foremost. The time from our birth to our death, the time from our uh, redemption or our being saved to the time the, uh, of our departure from here or the time that Jesus come again, whatever happens first. So what is our life? The Part one spoke to us of the, the value or the understanding of the time, excuse me, that, that we have only a certain amount of time here, my friends. And the Bible describes it as a vapor, one that is a, a mist that is here today and gone tomorrow. Yes. 
one that we have to understand and, and, and have a passion uh, as, as, as King David came to understand and, and, and had a passion to understand the measurement of his days. Because what he found in, in, in the measurement of his days, he found the understanding that his, that his life was, uh, or the measurement of his days was, it, it was just, it was, man, it was, it was fragile is what the word of God says. And fragile from the standpoint or the, or the understanding was that man, it, it's fragile in the sense that man, it's here in a moment and gone in a, in a second. Especially as it pertains to eternity, my friends. And that which God is really want to gain in our understanding, and I ain't just talking about the understanding in our minds, but the understanding in our hearts. Turn it down just a little bit, Julian, on this mic. The understanding in our hearts of the, the, our, the rest of our stay here, that it's only a short period of time, the reality of that. And he gave us an example or a mindset or a heart set to begin to, to, to as an example, and some of you are in talking to you that you've even began to, to uh, make that a mindset or a heart set that you ponder from one day to the next. And that was the hypothetically when he asked the question that what if, you, if I told you you only got 10 days left? That hypothetically speaking, God revealed to you that you got 10 days left on this earth, my friend. And then what? See, then uh, if we, we would realize that if we only got 10 days left, trust me, one of the first things we'll begin to realize is that, man, this time is it's a short time. You know, if we just take it from the natural and when I can remember being a kid and, 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 uh, and you know, we had the big field trip coming up and it was 10 days away and that seemed like eternity. But when you think about what, if God speaks to you and say that you got 10 days left, it ain't no eternity for 10 days. It's, we, it comes a reality that, man, I ain't got much time left. And what would you be doing with that time? And see, and that's the part number two that he spoke to us, because until we can really understand that our life here on earth is just a vapor. The Bible also describes it as we are pilgrims here on the earth and we just passing through. You know, until we can really begin to grab a hold of that in our hearts, then guess what? It would make it very difficult for number two, and that was it for him to give us an understanding of valuing our time. See, we're talking about what is your life. And not just from your perspective, but from God's perspective, our life, first and foremost, he, realized, he needs us to realize that it's a, it's a vapor. It's a short time. And two, in realizing how short it is, that it will give us a, a mindset to think from that will make us realize that we need to value the time. That I don't have time to waste. Because in that understanding, in, in that, and I've loved the example that God gave us because I'm talking about if you really bring, I ain't talking about me just saying this, but if you really take it from a heart set as an example of, real, of, of somebody realizing that they only have 10 days left on this earth, it changes your life, my friends. It puts a precedence on redeeming the time. As the Bible tells us, we ought to redeem the time. A value comes on that time when you know you only got a short time. See, some of us understand that they've been in school, you know. 
You have, they, at the beginning of the semester, they told you you have to pay per due. That was uh, 13 weeks. But when it came down to the last week and you ain't have it done, then you realize that, man, the time, then there became a value to that time. Yes. I'm just using some natural examples today in there. There's things that we can, that can bring a reality to our hearts and to our understanding as time draws near. See, and the thing about it is, in the natural, there's many events that happen in our life that we realize that the time, or we recognize that the time is drawing near. When that paper is due, when this deadline comes and all of these different things. And even then, we, you feel the pressure of the time. But unfortunately, as it pertains to eternity, none of us know our time, my friends. But God himself. And while we use an example of 10 days, for somebody, it may only be another day. And I ain't just talking about in here. <coughs> there was a, a, we heard this morning that, that one, a relative, you know, an older lady that was going through all kinds of problems, Crohn's disease and all of this different stuff. The grandmother of uh, Elder's uh, granddaughter, not his wife, but uh, on the other side, committed suicide last night. She's not here. But if she hadn't been here last Sunday and hearing the same thing, I'm not so sure that she would have uh, even had uh, even a glimpse in her mind even what she was going through, that she only had one week left. Really? She may have been contemplating a lot of different things. She may have been suicidal for a long time. But even being suicidal, you don't know when that day is coming until you just do it. Believe me. So the real reality is, is that God is in valuing or understanding what our life is, he needs us to understand once, one, that it's a vapor. Two, that uh, in understanding that it's a vapor, that it'll bring about an understanding of us to really taking to heart the value of every day that God gives us. And then number three, that until we can see it as a vapor, until we can really understand the value of the day, then number three comes in where God gives us the assignment that we can realize the assignment that God has given man from the very beginning. And we spoke about that. That's the, uh, the dominion that God has given every man. You know, in dominion, we're talking about here again, we, God gave us a beautiful understanding because dominion is not separated from stewardship. Yes. That what God truly gave, even from the beginning, when he, uh, in the old covenant, See, and, and this is where the thin line is and maybe some, perhaps even the misunderstanding is that in the old covenant, from the very beginning, God gave man dominion. And, and we talked about that. That was the rule uh, over the, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea and every creeping thing that creeped up uh, upon the earth that God gave him rulership over. it. God didn't give it to him as a possession. It all belonged to the Lord, but he gave him the stewardship which is dominion in there to rule, to manage for God's pleasure. And the confusion for many of us that now under the new covenant, especially since Jesus came and we are free in Christ Jesus, 
than the dominion that we think we have. We link it to an English language, not to an eternal language. And see, the English language tells you me that when you give me dominion over something, then it's mine to have, hold, and rule, and, and, and it's mine. But we found out last week that uh, in, uh, in the book of Daniel that the Bible says that dominion belongs to the Lord and it's his from generation to generation to generation. And that while he, so the dominion that he uh, gave or imparted had to be with stewardship, meaning, and what was stewardship? Stewardship was the uh, responsibility to manage that which God has given for his pleasure. I'm going to say that again. See, stewardship is, is that which God has given. You, you have a responsibility now to manage that which God has given for your pleasure, for his pleasure. See, stewardship is a management for the pleasure of the master, not for your self-pleasure. Steward, I'm talking about stewardship. That's what a steward is. That's what you know, you have stewards in, in uh, back in the day. They had stewards in in the big big in the big masters' house. The one the steward would you know cook and take care of stuff. That steward that was cooking and taking care of the house and all of these things. Do you think he was taking care of it for his pleasure or was it for the master? Come on, somebody. So I'm just painting a visual picture so we all can understand, my friend, that uh, what stewardship really is all about. That we don't get it twisted. And dominion is us having stewardship over the work of God's hands. In Psalms chapter 8, that's what he talked about, that he has given us dominion. Let's go there real quick. Psalms chapter 8. We're going to pick up from there and, and we're going to roll right along today as we finish this up. As everything comes to fruition for us. Psalms chapter 8. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. In Psalms chapter 8, verse 6, it's talking to us and it tells us that God gave man dominion over the works of his hands. Hallelujah. Wow. Man, this is some serious th things. And you, I'm talking about you got to hear what thus says the Lord and use your brain. So let's wake up. Yes. You know, let's get the uh, clouds out of it, the cobwebs out of the brain so we can think a little bit. Let the motor turn. And I'm talking about uh, really when I say the motor in, in your see, it takes for us as human beings. We got to get the motor in our minds to move in order for our hearts motor to begin to move. Because the, the goal is that, that our hearts motor begin to move. And sometimes we try, you know, we have to get the mind moving in order to really allow it to come to our hearts. So understand, maybe this is something that you thought about, maybe it ain't. But the fact of the matter is, is that we all love the, uh, the word dominion or even the thought of it. You know, especially when it's linked to the English understanding of it. Because see, when I got dominion over something, then I think that I'm now the king ruler. I may be the ruler, but I ain't the king ruler. See, when, in the, when we think of it in modern day times of rulership or, 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 or dominion over something that's to have and to hold and to keep, that, to have and to hold and to keep, which is an indication of 
This is mine. Sound familiar? Mine. Matter of fact, for many of us, if, you, if, you, if your mama would tell you that that was probably one of the first words or the second word that you learned. Even before daddy, after mama, you learned mine. Ain't that something? Yo, daddy up there trying to say, say daddy, say daddy. And what you're saying is mine. Nobody have to teach you mine. So we have an innate ability about ourselves, something just innately working in us that we have for dominion, for rulership, for mine. But God says, I need you to understand what dominion is that I imparted. It wasn't uh, yours that, it, that you could call it mine. Glory be to God. God says the dominion that I gave, it was, it, it was a responsibility for stewardship. See, I gave you something that you can manage until such a time that I come and, 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 and take possession. And then when I come back, I don't need you to just have what I, what I left you with. I need you to have added something to it. Remember, the, uh, that was the, the, the parable that we talked about that. Of the Jesus gave. And Matthew, when he gave one five talents, one two talents, and one one, that when he came back, the one that he gave five had five extra. The one that he gave two, that he had two extra. Glory be to God. But the one that he gave one, what did he do? He went and buried it as though to use it for himself. So when the master came back, all that he had was just what he was given. And God, Jesus called him uh, not a faithful servant, but an unfaithful servant. Come on, somebody. And see, the dominion that God has given us, as we understood it last year, uh, last week, is that he's given us this dominion and uh, he gave to Adam from the very beginning when he created man in his likeness and after his image. And there was a distinction that, uh, for our understanding that, you know, let's get beyond the, the thought of we created in God's physical likeness, which some may want to think. This goes beyond that. What this is really speaking to is the likeness that God gave us was the ability for us to rule like him on that which he's given us on the earth. But it wasn't for ourselves. Come on, somebody. This is good news if we understand it. And it keeps us in proper perspective in terms of our spirit and everything else. It, it keeps us from harboring that which God has uh, blessed us with. And it allows us to really allow him that we use it for his glory. So now I don't have no problem sharing it with you. And it comes in uh, what God spoke to us about. It, it was more than just money that we we're talking about here. That it was about your life itself, your health, your spiritual gifts, your talent. That God has given you time. And in the dominion that he's given you as it pertains to your time, that you manage your time, not for yourself, but for him. In the dominion that he gave to you over your spiritual gifts, that you didn't uh, manage that for yourself and for yourself gain, but for the kingdom of God, my friends. See, it makes a big difference here. And this is a good news to, to all of us. Because for most of us, or for all of us, actually, the pressure to manage this stuff for ourselves was too much anyway. But now that we can receive the truth that I'm not managing this for myself, but it's for something higher than me. 
See, because in managing for me, for me when the, the world's uh, winds come and the storms of life come uh, so hard and I'm managing for myself, then I'll lay down. See, there's times that I'll just say, forget it. But when I have the responsibility and I'm managing this for the Lord, that it ain't no winds that can come against me. It ain't no cares of life that can come against me that will allow me to lay down. What it's going to do is it'll drive me to that place where I have to trust in the Lord. Come on, somebody. With all my heart. Lean not on my own understanding. It'll draw me to that place where I have to acknowledge him in all my ways. It changes things, my friends. So here in Psalms, look at verse 6. It says you, and he's talking about if you back up to verse four, it's talking about man and, your, and, and God's thought in relationship of man. Did you know that we are special to God? Made like none other. Matter of fact, let's just back up to verse four because it says, what is man that you are so mindful of him? <laughs> and this is huge because if, we, if you really understand some things, Man is little in the universe. The stars is amazing when you even begin to think about the, the stars and, and all the other things that God created. And man is, is, is just is a little nothing. When you're talking about uh, the sun, matter of fact, you know, it's so huge that they say that it's over what is like 16 million earths can fit in the sun. And then beyond that, you take the, uh, the sun, you think that's, that, that's something. Then you take the star of, uh, what is it? It's, I can't even think of the name of it, but it's like of the, there's about two, uh, two billion suns that can fit in, in uh, this certain star. I can't even think of the name of it right now. In there. That's huge. And you got thousands and thousands of stars and God knows the name of every star. As he knows the name of every hair on every one of our heads. He's so, th th this is huge. This, and, and we are just a little speck in, 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 in the creation of God. But yet man is something dear about man to God. That, uh, the, that the word even says, what is he that you are so mindful of him? The son of man that you would visit him. Wow. In verse 5 it says, For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. And then here it is in verse 6. It says, You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Wow. Hallelujah. That God has given man dominion over the works of his hands. This is what we mean to him. But the whole point of, of this is understanding that uh, these are whose uh, the dominion that he gave was to the works of our hands. It's the works of his hands. And the works of his hands, the dominion that he has. As, it, as stated in Daniel chapter 4, it's from generation to generation. It's God's and it's his now and forever, my friend. So dominion uh, not linked 
to stewardship is a false sense of dominion, my friends. There ain't no dominion given to man as, except for stewardship. He has placed his work in our hands for a period of time. Just like Potiphar placed the household, his household in Joseph's hands. And it wasn't Joseph's household. It didn't become Joseph's household. It was for him to manage. And he did it so well and, and that even Potiphar trusted him and did, to the point where he didn't even know what he had. Only the bread that he had on his table that Joseph gave him to eat. That's all that he knew. Glory be to God. But thank God that Joseph was a trusted servant. That he could do that. So even when his wife came to him, when Potiphar's wife came to him, Joseph did not defile or, 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 or move out of or, or take over a place in the dominion that he shouldn't have done. He kept himself. And the question is to, to, for you and me today is are we moving out of our place in the dominion that God gave us or are we staying in the place of stewardship knowing that we have to manage that which God has given us not for our pleasure but for his pleasure. Come on somebody. I dare you to look it up yourself and then you'll find out that stewardship is a responsibility to manage for the master's use not for your use. It never have been and never will be. That's not stewardship, my friend. Because you cannot steward over what you own, yours. Because then it ain't stewardship. Come on. It becomes something different than that. You figure out what the word is, but it ain't stewardship. Because stewardship is you managing that which don't belong to you. And God needs us to understand that what that which he's placed in our hands here in Psalms chapter 8 verse 6 is the work of his hands that still belongs to him. So even in your life, your time, your spiritual gifts, your talents, your money, it don't belong to you, my friends. And as soon as we figure it out, We'll stop stressing out and begin to live it out. Hallelujah. That's what will happen. I'm serious, my friend, because what makes us stress out is because we think that we're losing something. And dare not I lose anything. See, if we lose that or, or we take a, we, we don't want to take a chance on losing something that's ours. But if we realize this is God's, then we might invest it a little bit in the stock market. See, because Jesus told the one with the one talent, he says, at least you could have done was put it in the bank and gave me a little bit of interest. But the better thing for you have to done was to take what's mine, knowing that I'm the harsh a ruler that I am. And you go out there and make something happen. Take some risk because you ain't going to gain nothing until you take some chances, my friend which is allowing you to trust in the Lord. See, and the good news is, is that what, that which God gives us that, that is his, that we can go ahead and take some chances because guess who it belongs to? So, and not only does it belong to him, but guess who's in control of all things? And guess who ain't going to lose what is his? And he has control not to lose what is his. It's just a test for us. Well, will you trust me enough to go out there and use what I've given you and make something happen? 
Do you trust me enough that I ain't going to lose my own? And that comes to our health even. Everything about our life. So the question remains is, what is your life, my friends? And once we realize that our life is a vapor, number one, and then realizing that our life is a vapor, then in number two, then we can, when you live, realize that you're, you could be here today and gone tomorrow. When you have the mindset of the 10-day mindset that I have 10 days left, I guarantee it changes your mind and, or changes your life right now. Not tomorrow, but right now your life changes when you know or realize that I only got 10 days left. Hypothetically speaking, God tells us and put it in your heart right now. You got 10 days, my friend, and you coming out of here. Ain't none of us will continue to live the same. I guarantee you. What a priority, what is your priority today won't be your priority tomorrow, my friend. If God says, I'm taking you into my presence in 10 days, he ain't even telling you, you know, let you leave it as though you don't know where your destination is. No, I'm, you coming home, but you getting up out of here. It will change what we do tomorrow. It ain't no if, ands, buts about it. Then that's, what, that's the picture of valuing the time. And then once we can value the time, then that will, that is the thing that God is trying to place in our heart. That's what gives us the opportunity to be proper stewards of the time, of everything, of our life. This is what's going to allow us, and, and this ain't no fairy tale, my friend. So God, yes, he's using an example of a 10-day uh, rule, but the real reality is, is that, uh, again, that some of us might not be here tomorrow. And, and whether we're going to be here for the next 20, 30, 40 years, it doesn't matter. God needs the, that mindset. The humble mindset, the one that Christ came, had when he came here. And that's truly what this is all about. That ultimately he gets us to the mindset and a heart set, the, the same one that Christ had. When he humbled himself and came in the form of man. He didn't think himself too high. Is what Philippians chapter 2 talks about. But he humbled himself. Why? All of this. Why is he saying all of this? Because he had a goal to do the will of the Father. Come on, somebody. And as believers, then that is the only purpose for us being here, my friend, whether you realize it or not. The purpose for your life, for God waking you up every single day, is not to achieve the American dream. It is for you to fulfill his will that he has for leaving you here for your life. And it doesn't mean that you can't have the American dream. Matter of fact, it, it probably will give us the American dream the, as soon as we uh, align ourselves with the real purpose for being here. Because then when you get the American dream, it ain't going to be out of perspective. You ain't going to use it or it, that ain't going to become your life. <laughs> you still have your life. You'll still have the value to every single day that I'm here to do the will of God as I live this American dream. I better keep on moving from there. I don't want nobody to get stuck. But fourthly then, my friends, in us understanding the stewardship that's connected to the value of our time here that, that, that is rooted to the foundation of what, our, what is our life that our life is truly just a vapor 
It puts us in this place that we talked about on last week in there that truly then in the earth that God, as he did in the life of so many, you know, that he can begin to truly use us from one day to the next, you know, as we are walking in managing and ruling over that which he's put before us on a daily task for his pleasure, then that we can now, as he moved us, uh, uh, as we come out from under the old covenant from man, you know, and God has placed before us that which satisfied him, that, that did, did everything in there. We was talking about it this morning that if I asked you what is the, the greatest thing that, that, that you've ever done, in, in, in life, you know, I would hope that we come to an understanding that the best thing or the greatest thing that, ever, that, we, that we've ever done or that's ever happened to us is falling in love with Jesus. Yes. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. In there. And it's and because it's the plan of God that, that, draw, that, that, that he, what he desires is to redeem mankind. And that's what he accomplished in Christ Jesus. So as now, the same thing, it hasn't changed. God still gave us dominion. And the dominion he gave us, uh, come on somebody, is linked to stewardship. He gave us stewardship in there to manage over what? All the beasts of the field. The birds of the air. Over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth is what, what he said in his word. And, and so over all, including everything in your own life, over your time, over your spiritual gifts. He's given us the responsibility to do that, and when that is connected to the a burning desire or the biggest desire in your life and in your heart is to do the will of the Father, which like Jesus was when he came, then guess what? Now you're managing to do the will of the Father. Your, your life is about managing to do God's will. And we find that in, in, in Matthew chapter 28. That's what Jesus was telling the disciples before his ascension. When he told them, go there real fast. This ain't nothing that's uncommon to any of us. We call it the Great Commission. See, now that we live under the new covenant, doesn't nothing change about the dominion that God gave us. It's still linked to stewardship. Yeah. But the <clears throat> when he gave, if you remember, and I'll just quickly say this for the sake of time, if you remember in Genesis, in the beginning when God gave dominion to, to mankind, is when he created mankind. And the two facets to the dominion that he gave, one was to, to, to manage all the birds of the uh, air, the beasts of the field, you know, and everything that creeped up on the earth. And the second facet to that was to, he, in the command that he gave to Adam and Eve was to have dominion over these things and then to do what? To be fruitful and multiply. And with the fall of man came wickedness upon the earth, even to the point that it was so bad uh, right in the days of Noah that God says, I'm going to wipe out everything that's on the earth. Say two by two and Noah and his eight, uh, the eight fa family members of Noah. But the interesting thing was is that when he brought him out of the boat, he gave Noah 
the same command. He told them to rule over all that's on the earth and to be fruitful and multiply. And now that we under the new covenant, Jesus, as, God, as, as he's fulfilled all things for God himself, in the fact that it, brew, it was pleasing to God to bruise the son, that he may be satisfied. And now that God is satisfied in the finished work of Christ Jesus, this is what blesses me and you. This is what gives us life. That Jesus, uh, the word of God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. So your life don't belong to you, my friend. If you, have any, if you have a reservation in eternity, the, excuse me, if you have a reservation in eternity that God made, I'm going to say that again. I got to stop right there. That if you have a reservation in eternity that God made, not one that you made, one that he made, then it's good news that you didn't make it. Amen. See, because if we made a reservation, just like I made a reservation yesterday, by the way, for the Embassy Suites in, on Capital One Mall in Sacramento uh, for March, when we go there, Mom. I didn't send you the email, but I made the reservation yesterday. But just as easy as I made the reservation, I chose the one that I could cancel up until March the 6th, because we leave, get there on March 7th. I left the door open for a cancellation. But see, thank God that we ain't and can't make a reservation in eternity for ourselves because that's what we would do. We would choose the cancellation policy. And every time we fall down, we'd be calling to cancel. Every time we make a mistake, we'll be calling, to, uh, uh, can you put my reservation on hold? I'm not so sure I'm going to make it. So you see why it's glory be to God that he made the reservation because the word of God says that he is loyal and faithful as the one that can keep the reservation. Hallelujah. And he didn't depend on you falling down or getting back up. He depended on the blood of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. See, and this is the good news, my friend, that your reservation that's made in eternity is not based on, what you're, uh, on your finished work. It's based on Jesus' finished work, and he did it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's based on your confession of faith as described in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, as, as, the, as outlined in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That you, then he didn't say you're going to save yourself. But then that's when he saves you. That's when he makes the reservation. See, he makes the reservation based on the confession of faith. You didn't make the reservation based on your confession of faith. Because if it wasn't for God being able to make the reservation, yo, link to Christ Jesus finished work, you could confess all day long and it wouldn't do anything. But because he is faithful and loyal to keep that which he has promised. And this is good news, my friend, because for so long, the church, we, we, you know, we've been led to believe that, oh, you know, that 
if, you, your last, if the last thing you do is tell a little white lie, you're going to hell. As though it's based on your merit. Thank you, Lord, that I don't believe that foolishness no more. Excuse me, I not believe that I, don't, I, that I know better than that. Because that would be undermining the blood of Christ Jesus that satisfied God. This blood didn't satisfy you or me. It satisfied God himself. And no, on the other end, let me might say this, that no, this, just as it says in Romans chapter 6, this ain't no freedom or some hyper-grace monkey business. This ain't a license to, oh, that I can go out and fall down anytime. No, because if you understand that what, what, I, what, what God has just expressed to us, that it was through his blood that he, it, it pleased him to bruise his son, that you may go free, that all your transgressions can be wiped away in there, then the only thing, the picture that you're going to see is the love of God. And in the, in the, in when you see the love of God, this is the only way that you can be drawn to God. And the love of God ain't, I'm talking about true love. See, because even we know that in a natural perspective, when somebody truly loves they, the, the, the woman or the man truly loves the woman or the woman truly loves the man, then that true love is enough to keep them from cheating on the woman. I'm talking about really love. And see, if we can understand that naturally, God is greater spiritually, my friends. That when we, he shows us a picture of his true love, if you've been drawn by that true love, that's enough to keep you from uh, continuing to sin that grace may be abound. As the Bible said, God forbids. So when you're talking about, I'm not talking about no monkey business, I'm talking about the true love of God that has brought somebody and changed their heart to the point where they will confess Jesus as Lord with their mouth and accept him in their heart, not in their mind. Yes. See, because our mind, we can accept him today and it changes tomorrow. Yes. But when they do that in their heart, and I don't know that about you, but God does. And the funny part about it, it ain't the, the demonstration of that the, or the manifestation of that the next day ain't the, uh, what you do or don't do. Because some of us, you know, come from you know, some tough places. And so God may save us today and it may take a, a process that he takes us through for deliverance. Yeah, he able to deliver you right now. It ain't no doubt about that. But some of us, maybe if he delivered us right now, he know better. No, I better take you through the process. You got to feel a little more of the pain to come out of this because if I deliver you right now, you're going to jump right back in there. God knows us better than we know ourselves. See, I'm talking about me. I ain't talking about you. But understand, my friend, that in what is your life, God is saying he needs us to understand all of these things because it leads us to exactly what Matthew chapter 28 says. As Jesus gave the charge under the new covenant. And what did he say? He says to them that uh, go into all the world 28, 19, sorry, and 20. I thought y'all knew that by heart, you know. We'll start in verse 18. It says, and Jesus said and spoke to them, 
saying, all authority has been given to me under heaven and on earth. That makes it very clear right there. Oh, thank you, Lord. I didn't even, uh, real, uh, you know, I wasn't thinking about this. God knows what he's doing. He wanted us to back up to verse 18 because he says, while you have dominion, See, it gives a, 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 now we can see a picture that's very different and very clear that dominion ain't authority. Hello? I get it because I, I just heard him say the same thing too. I just heard him say the same thing too. I, this, you know, God is a real-time God like that. So no, this ain't nothing that I studied. This ain't nothing that I went to Bethel Christian College to learn. God just spoke it right now. The dominion that I give is not authority. Because authority was given to Christ in Christ himself. But in the English language and in modern day time, we try to make it the same, my friend, and it's not. And it proves the point that dominion is no more than, is, cannot be understood unless it's linked to stewardship. That dominion that God gave to man, that it was a steward's job, not authority to rule over anything. And rule here meaning to have as though it's yours. See, when Jesus says that all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth, he means that it's mine. Hallelujah. And he says then, therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. Because dominion, it belongs to the Lord. It's his forever and it goes from generation to generation to generation, even to the ends of the age. God, the authority that he gave, he gave it to Jesus. The dominion that he placed in our hands to steward, he gave to man even back to the beginning of creation. And here under the new covenant, Jesus is giving uh, uh, a sense of dominion to us. Or better yet, I can say it like this. In the New Testament, stewardship is the responsibility to carry out God's will concerning the gospel. The stewardship that God gave in the Old Testament, it was for one thing until Christ came. But now, under the new covenant, now that Christ has come and fulfilled that which satisfied God, that our stewardship has taken a shift. And our stewardship is, 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 is under the new covenant, it's one thing and one thing only, and that is that we, it's focused on the responsibility of carrying out the will of God concerning the gospel. That's why Jesus told them they go into all the world and preach the gospel. So what am I saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. That your responsibility, your purpose for being here is to steward over the talents, the money, the time, and everything else that God has given you that the gospel of Jesus Christ may be preached for. That's what every one of our lives is. It ain't just for the pastor or the minister, or the bishop or the evangelist. It's for everyone that has a reservation in eternity that God made. 
So every one of us have a responsibility to allow God to use us. And yes, he's going to use you in one way. He's going to use you in another way. He's going to use you in a certain way. It may not be the same. So no, everybody's ministry ain't behind a pulpit, but everybody has a ministry that has a reservation. And how do you know if you have a reservation? Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Have you confessed it with your mouth and do you believe that in your heart that he is the one that God has sent and that he's the way, the only way unto the Father? If you have confessed that with your mouth and believe that in your heart, then God made you a reservation. The reason why you might not be so sure because you didn't do it. Yep, I get that. But God says today in John, and he tells us in 1 John that you can know that you have this reservation. And not only can you know, you ought to know And if you love one another as I have loved you, then you, can, you know that. You can have confidence in that. 1 John 5, 14. Come on, somebody. So today, I don't know if you've ever known what the purpose of your life is, but it's the same for every one of us, my friends. It's the same for every one of us. And without you knowing what your life is, meaning that you know, knowing that it's a vapor, that you ain't got a whole bunch of time. Because most, for most of us, the, the, the time that we had or have, most of it is, our, is behind us than it is in front of us. Save you. You young, so you, Lord bless you. Young folks, that y'all got much more time, hopefully. But even that ain't no guarantee, my friends. So we got to take on the mindset that to value today's date, that is if though, that, uh, you know, uh, that brings forth a reality. And see, I believe when God gave us the example, he didn't use one day because for somebody that wouldn't be a reality. We couldn't take the one day or two days. That would be too much. So we would just put the walls up and it couldn't be a reality. But the 10 day, it, it, it caught us off guard enough to lower our mindset to be able to realize that, man, what if I only did have 10 days? And it made, gave us enough time to, to think for some days on what, how would my life be different? And God needs you to think about that. How would your life be different if you knew for sure? You, how would your life be different? Not how your neighbor's life would be different or how your wife's life would be different, but how would your life be different? Because that's what he wants to, where the rubber meets the road, my friend. And so the real charge is this. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 4 as we get ready to close right here. <coughs> John chapter 4. There's some of the stuff you might want to write, write down that you can go back and look at it. See, Christ's uh, last assignment to the leaders of his flailing church was to make disciples of all nations, teaching them the very thing Christ had taught his disciples. That's what he commanded of us to do. John 4, verse 34. See, Christ was a steward of God. See, Christ was a steward of God. See, Christ was a steward of God in coming to the earth, doing nothing on his own, but only what the Father had given him to do. See, Christ was a steward. 
himself and coming to the earth. And so it behooves us to understand his mindset and how he came and his goal and objective when he got here. And it was one and only one. I came to do the will of my father, which is in heaven. In 34, uh, John chapter 4, verse 34. Let me get there with you. Look at what it says. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What is your food? What is your nourishment? What is going to give you the strength from day to day? Do you understand what it is? See, Christ was the steward of God. We are stewards of Christ under the new covenant. And we have a job to do. We have a work to do. That's why he says later on in John, uh, the same book of John, that, you, that I must, that we, see in some of our Bibles now in the modern day version, they took out we and put I, as Jesus was saying it for himself. But the original language says that we must work while it's still day. Because the night is coming where no man can work. It speaks to the same thing, the vapor that our life is. Jesus understood it. Look on the same page. For some of us, we might have to flip one page. John chapter 5, verse 19. Mine is on the same page. It says this. Then Jesus answered and said, this is John 5, 19. Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Look at verse 30 of the same five, chapter 5. I can do of myself nothing, Jesus says. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous. Why? Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. What will are you seeking in your life today, my friends? Are we trying to get God on our will? Or are we here to understand that we must do the will of the Father who sent us? Who left us? Who is keeping us? What is your life? See, this is a real charge for each and every one of us. That we can't stay the same. we got to evaluate what am I living for? What is my life? What am I living for? What am I doing here? And God has made it very clear. Look at, uh, skip to the next chapter, chapter 6. You don't stop there. Verse 38 of John chapter 6, he says this. See, we put them in order so you can just flip from one page to the next. It makes it easy. We ain't got to skip around. Amen? It says, for I have come down from heaven. This is Jesus speaking. Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You can see from one chapter to the next, God, Jesus is iterating, iterating, reiterating over and over to his disciples and to the people he's ministering to, what do you see his purpose for being here? So you, the, you can see from bam, 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 bam. 
that he was saying it all day, every day. He was proclaiming it all day, every day. The question is, are we proclaiming it all day, every day? Even to our own self, are we convinced in our own heart that we are left here to do the will of the Father? Because once Jesus saved you, once God saved you by the blood of Christ Jesus. So once you believed, see, because for understand this, that for God, now since the fall of man, see, because before the fall of man, God, when God created man, God, man was in right relationship with God. And since the fall of man, mine has been out of right relationship with God. And until Christ Jesus came and fulfilled the, the righteous demand of God that gives us the opportunity to be totally in right standings with God as though it was from the beginning that once a man receives Christ Jesus and redemption takes place for you as an individual. If, because this is only about redemption for God, my friend. I don't know what you live in life for, for yourself. I know we live for a lot of different things, especially because we have kids and all of this different stuff. But for God, your time here in, in the stay of man's time here, period, I'm talking about mankind, the stay of our time here was, is about one thing after the fall, and that's redemption for God. And now that you've been redeemed, if, if God don't take you out of here the moment that you are plucked out of the darkness and moved to the marvelous light, if he leaves you here, it is not if for one reason and one reason only. Come on. It's for the same reason that Jesus came here. Or, or, or a picture of that same reason, a type of that same reason. To do the work of the Father who left me here. Who's keeping me here. That's it. And it's high time that we begin to understand that as a church, as a body of believers. It stop living as though we have the same hope that the world lives for. Because the world lives for a hope of, of, of what they, their will and their way. Chapter 8 of John 28, and we'll stop. We'll look at two verses here. 8, 28. Then Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing of myself. But as the Father has taught me that I speak, that is what I speak. These things is what I speak. Only what the Father said. In verse 42 of that same chapter, he says this, and Jesus said to them, if God will your father, you will love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I came of myself, but he who sent me. I didn't come of myself. But I came by for of him who sent me, Jesus says. And we have to understand that we left here. I'm still here, not of myself. Because if we knew what was good for us, 
when God redeemed us, we would be begging him to take us out of this place. I'm talking about if you know the truth, if you ain't so linked to your uh, past life, which is a life that's separated from God, I don't care how good it was. I don't care what you had. Trust me, it ain't worthy to be compared to the life of redeem of the redeemed, my friends. That if we knew truly what Jesus knew before he came here. See, because the Bible said that he humbled himself and he left the place, a high place in glory. And it seemed foolish to man that who would leave that place to come to this place? And if we knew what he knew before he left that place, when God redeems us, we'll be saying, take us to that place. I love you, son. I love you, wife. I love you, daughter. I love you, mama. Mama, I love you. But I got to go because Jesus is calling me and he's on the right hand of the father right now. Glory be to God. I'll see you when you get there. Is what it would be, my friends. But understanding that he just like Jesus said right here, I done, didn't come of my own. I'm telling you, my friends, that we would have a mindset that I ain't staying here. Or I'm not being here of my own. I'm not being kept here of my own because if it was up to me, I'd be gone out of this place. But it's of the Father. And since it's of the Father, then I realize that I must work while it's still day. Hallelujah. That I must redeem the time. That I must understand that this time here is not worthy to be compared to the time to come in eternity. Come on, somebody. I ain't talking, you know, if you can't hear me if you're on that religious stuff because you, religion is, 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 is serving God for yourself. But if you can hear me, then you'll know that you are in the spirit, my friend, because this is not our home. We are pilgrims passing through. And please don't try to make this your home. I know this ain't no message that's popular, but that's all right. God is telling you the truth. Don't get comfortable in this place. Know that this is a place of work. It's like the construction worker that has to leave Monday through Friday. And when he leaves, he goes out of town to work construction and they keep us. Uh, see, I did this for a period of time. And they keep us in, in this, in like a barracks with all the men and work, all the workers, you know, in there. That ain't, it ain't, but you realize even though you're there Monday through Friday, this ain't my home. Matter of fact, I'm ready to go home. If I didn't have to do some work, I'd be out of here. See, realizing that I have to work while I'm there. But I'd rather be at home, my friend, in the comfort of my own bed, not having to take showers with everybody else, have to wear flip-flops in the shower because you don't know what you might get. I don't have to do that at home. Come on, my friends. This is a serious thing. And God is just wanting to give us a real picture and a real understanding, not here, but in here, so that it will change the days. We, we prayed about it, that our lives may be changed, that they may be arranged, that we will never be the same. Because I'm telling you, if you understand what the spirit of the Lord is speaking to us, you will never be the same. 
Your life will give uh, true meaning. You, uh, you, your life will have true meaning. And that true meaning is just what Jesus said, that, uh, he's, that, that our stewardship is to be carried out for the gospel's sake. Let us look to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are awesome and you are a mighty God. You are an uh, imparter of truth. Lord God, and for those that you love, you don't withhold no good thing. And that good thing is the truth. Because the truth sets us free, Lord God. And we know that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So we are free today, Lord God. And our freedom comes in the fact that knowing the truth that we can just truly live for you and not worry about the cares of life, the stress of life, or the people of this life. But just like your word says that we can actually walk in liberty and not use it in vain, Lord God. So we thank you for your love, Lord God, that brings forth truth. See, love tells the truth because truth then changes, rearranges, and makes free. So right now, Lord God, as you have spoken to our hearts for each and every one of us, there's no one in here under the sound of what you've spoken, Lord God, that have arrived. We all are on the journey, Lord God. And if we have the ear to hear, Lord God, what thus saith your spirit to the church today, Lord God, it's going to change us. It's going to draw us. It's going to lift us up. It's going to take us to the next level, to the next step, Lord God, of your will being done in our lives, Lord God. It's going to free us from and break the chain of some uh, attachment to the world, Lord God. It's going to set us free from some attachment today that we may be released to move forward, that your will can be done in our lives, Lord God. So I pray right now that even right now, Lord God, as you are ministering to us right now, Lord God, that hearts are being opened, hearts are being receptive, that somebody right now is saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, that I know that I can't continue to live for myself, Lord God, that I got to move forward and, and dying to my flesh and giving my life over to you and not just in the deeds that I do or the sin that I stop committing, but in a heart, Lord God, to work while it's still day for you to use me, Lord God, for the gospel's sake, for the kingdom of God to be built. It's, it's a given that our sin, that we don't continue in sin because you've already wiped every transgression away. You cleansed us from all iniquity. How can we continue in that? But what is not a given is for us to allow you to use us. That's a choice. And it's one that I pray that we make today. That we choose to allow you to use us for the rest of our days. For the rest of our stay here, Lord God. Realizing what is our life. The vapor that it is. The essence of that you've called for the value of the time. Us understanding the stewardship that you've given us in that which you've placed in our hands, your, the work of your hands that you've placed in our hands to, to manage. And that we realize that the greatest stewardship that you've given us, Lord God, is our life 
to be a ministry to the gospel of Jesus Christ that leads to us coming before you, Lord God, back before you, God, as you've given us five talents that we don't come back alone, Lord God, but our life have brought or led somebody to the kingdom, that you were able to use our life, that somebody else can come, that when we stand before this Christ at the day of judgment, Lord God, that somebody's name would be on our account, that you used us to reach, Lord God. That we don't stand before him empty-handed, Lord God. And that we don't stand before him with hands full of junk that can't even uh, go through the fire. Oh, look, Lord, I, 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 see how much money I made. Oh, look, Lord, look, see what business I built while you left me on earth. None of it glorifies you. None of it went to you, as a matter of fact, but, 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 but my words. We don't want to stand before you, Lord God, in vain, in empty hands, Lord God. So I pray your spirit right now to move upon the hearts that we choose today. Don't matter how long we've been a Christian. It don't matter what title we have, Lord God, but that we make a choice for real in our hearts today, Lord God, for you to use us, not how we want to, not what's comfortable, but your way, your will and your way. That's it, that's all. And that it be well in our hearts to, to, to submit to you like that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God some praise right there. Glory be to God.